Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 590. We're back in 2 Chronicles for 2 Chronicles chapter 18. And we are about to be disappointed by Jehoshaphat, just as we were disappointed by his father, Asa. Hmm. You know, some of you have asked me about how I record these devotionals, because I hope you know I record them ahead of time. I'm not on here live every morning doing these. I do them in little batches. Uh, today, I've recorded a batch of two. And so I just got done recording Hebrews 12. This little back behind the curtains thing. Just got done recording Hebrews 12, which is just a glorious chapter and a stirring call to persevere in faithfulness to the end. And now immediately I have to turn around and come look at somebody who, like his father, and uh, just didn't, right? He, he, he did great things, but he got compromised by the world, uh, despite years of faithfulness and fruitfulness. Um, he, he, he made a, a bad choice and did something dumb and then suffered consequences for it. So it's a sobering warning to us. It's probably a good follow-up after Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, that stirring call to, to persevere in faith, to, to press on for the joy set before us and the greatness of the kingdom. And here we get an example of consequences that come when we don't do that. We, we saw consequences in Esau yesterday. Uh, now we get Jehoshaphat. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this chapter of scripture that we have before us in 2 Chronicles 18. Be our teacher and our guide. Um, every chapter of scripture is inspired by you, breathed out by you, your very words. And we thank you for each chapter as we go through them day by day. We ask that you would write this on our hearts and that you would give us uh, awareness and uh, faith and repentance and uh, humility and perseverance as you weave this into our souls by your spirit today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Second Chronicles chapter 18. Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he made a marriage alliance with Ahab. Anybody see the big problem yet? Okay. He made a marriage alliance with Ahab. After some years, he went down to Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed an abundance of sheep and oxen for him and the people who were with him and induced him to go up against Ramoth-Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? He answered, I am as you are, my people as your people. We will be with you in the war. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to battle against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. But I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. And Jehoshaphat says, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. 
Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah were sitting on their thrones arrayed in their robes, and they were sitting at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets were prophesying before them, and Zedekiah the son of Canaanah made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives. What my God says, that will I speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And he answered, Go up and triumph. They will be given into your hand. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? And Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab the king of Israel that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster concerning you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Canaanah, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with meager rations of bread and water until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear, all you peoples. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded the captains of his chariots, Fight with neither, small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. 
As soon as the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is the king of Israel. So they turned to fight him. And Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him. God drew them away from him. For as soon as the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle continued that day, and the king of Israel was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians until evening. Then, at sunset, he died. Well, thankfully, the next time we see Jehoshaphat, we'll have some better things to see about him. But in this chapter, he's a minor character. He's a background uh, person, but he has been the focus here in Second Chronicles, and we see him acting like a fool. Wish I could say something different, but he acts like a fool. He acts like a fool because he's trying to be wise. Thinking themselves to be wise, they became fools. That's what Romans 1 says about the human condition. And you are never more likely to be a fool than when you think you have it all figured out and you are the clever one. Jehoshaphat enters into a marriage alliance with Ahab. Now he has to know that Ahab and Jezebel have allowed the Baals and the Asherahs to flourish throughout Israel. But he reasons politically in a worldly way. A marriage alliance is a good way to join our houses together. In fact, he's so committed to joining their houses together that we see him in verse 3 answer Ahab and his inquiry about going up to Ramoth Gilead. I am as you are, my people as your people. We will go with you in the war. So he's ready to do what Ahab says to do. Now, on the surface of it, if we understand our history, going up to Ramoth Gilead is not a bad thing. They're trying to recapture the principal city of Israel on the other side of the Jordan in toward Gilead, Ramoth Gilead. Ramoth Gilead is this great city that was, remember, rescued by Saul and then honored Saul and uh, Jonathan by bringing their bodies down from um, Mount Gilboa and, and uh, honoring them. And so they are an Israelite city. They've been captured by the Syrians and they're trying to set them free. That's a good thing to do, but God is not going to bless this. And part of it's because he's looking to judge Ahab for Ahab's years of wickedness. Now, Ahab has had a time of repentance, but, but this is still not God's will. And there's a whole complicated thing happening in this chapter. I don't know how much detail to go into because could take a while to explain, but uh, when God wants to accomplish his will, he has a variety of means at his disposal for accomplishing it, but also he has ways of explaining things to people that sort of help people understand things in a way that is understandable to them. So I don't, I don't know whether to take uh, Micaiah's account of there was a council in heaven and all the spirits were gathered around and um, and the Lord said, who's going to entice Ahab to go up 
to Ramoth Gilead and there's one who says, I'll be a lying spirit. And so the Lord says, go out and be a lying spirit. I don't know whether that is a, a literal revealing of what happens in heaven or whether it's just the vision that Micaiah was given so that it would be in an understandable way explaining the hidden counsel of God, the divine mystery of, of, of God's will and providence and how he unfolds it in ways that are a little bit easier to understand. I don't know. I incline a little bit toward the second, but I don't want to say that it couldn't be. Here we see God, though. He's reigning over foolish, sinful choices. He's reigning over sad, tragic events in such a way as to accomplish his will but himself not be guilty of sin or the author of sin. The Lord did not lie to anyone, and the Lord did not, uh, you know, tempt anyone. He is above sin and apart from sin, and yet he's using secondary means, secondary causes, to accomplish his will, which is to bring down Ahab, to begin the, the downfall of the house of Ahab, and to really chastise Jehoshaphat, who is in deep error here. So instead of focusing so much on that, what I want us to see is how Jehoshaphat here has gone up to have this feast with Ahab. He's been eager to go along with Ahab, and yet he knows the Lord enough to know we need to get the word of the Lord. And they go to great lengths to make sure they get the real word of the Lord. I mean, there's 400 prophets of the Lord, and they're all saying, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat knows the Lord well enough to know these guys aren't speaking the word of the Lord. Like he knows he knows what the word of the Lord sounds like. He knows the way God speaks, and he knows that this is not quite right. right? This is not quite what God would say and how he would say it. So he asks if there's another, and so they go and get Micaiah, and they press Micaiah to tell them the truth, and they finally get Micaiah to tell them the truth, and then they go against it anyway. Listen, I think that's the sobering splash of cold water to the face, wake-up call message for us here in Second Chronicles 18, is that if you know what the word of the Lord is, don't directly go against it because, what? Because you've already made your plans? Because there's something you want more than obeying God? Because you think somehow you'll make it work out anyway? I mean, Ahab locks up Micaiah in, in jail and says, feed him with a meager uh, ration of bread and water until I return in peace. And Micaiah says, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. But here's Ahab thinking somehow through political calculation, manipulation, he can what? Get Micaiah to intercede on his behalf and, and overthrow the counsel of God? No, that's not going to work. Well, then he thinks, I'll disguise myself. They'll never know that I'm the king of Israel. And so they look at, Je at Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and they go after him because uh, the king of Syria has said, only fight with the king of Israel. And, and Jehoshaphat's like, oh, get me out of here. I've, I've been set up by this guy who, you know, is not to be trusted. And he gets out of there. God protects him. God drew them away from him. But then a certain man, 
drew his bow at random. I love this in, in verse 33. A certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. This is random bad luck, right? This is one place where the Bible talks about randomness and chance. Another one is Ruth. When Ruth happens to happen upon the field of Boaz, it's, it's language that says it just, just so happened by chance that she happened upon the field of Boaz. And when the Bible uses that language, it's telling us that God is the Lord of chances. Chance is not random. It's actually the sovereign hand of God. And not only is it a certain man drawing his bow at random and just shooting at random, but it happens to hit the place between the scale armor and the breastplate, this little crevice. You know, it's like a bullseye shot that's by a guy who's just wildly shooting. And it's enough. And he dies. When we hear the word of the Lord very clearly, we are fools if we harden our hearts and go against it and think somehow we're going to outsmart God. There's no such thing. It can't be done. The consequences are deadly. And so what we need to do is seek the word of the Lord the way they did. But when we hear it, when we read scripture and that's black and white on the page, we need to say, that's the truth. Whatever my mind says, whatever my desires are, whatever the world's chirping at me, that's the truth. And I'm going to live by that. Come what may. Come what may. Jesus did that. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. They put Micaiah on a diet of meager rations of bread and water. Jesus had a diet. It was to do the will of him who sent him and to fulfill the work that was given to him to do. So he never shirked back. That's what makes him the forever king over God's people, never to be removed from his throne because he never failed to do what God the Father called him to do even when it was as hard as enduring the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Thank you that he has perfectly obeyed you and fulfilled all righteousness for us. Forgive us for the times when we know so clearly what your will is, and we don't do it. We shrink back and withdraw, or we deliberately break your word. I know that we have all suffered the consequences of that. We have seen with our own eyes what happens when we reject and despise your word. So forgive us and give us tender hearts that will long to do your will and long to please you every day of our lives until we see you face to face. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was Second Chronicles 18 and you kind of had two longish days in a row, but I think two important chapters. Of course, every chapter of the Bible is important. Um, and uh, God is so good to us. I hope that you uh, will hear his word and will follow after him today. And I hope you'll be back for Second Chronicles 19 tomorrow. And I hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.